how brain spotting works. Did you know that where you look affects how you feel? And no, I don't mean that turning your head on the street kind of looking. That can affect how you feel too, I know that. Okay, cool. why does this matter to you? Our guest today can tell you much more about that. He will explain how brain spotting works. That's the technical name for this looking thing and how that works and how brain spotting can actually help you with things like performance anxiety, dealing with and healing from injuries and trauma and to getting in the zone for optimal performance. He was awarded UK's Clinical Sports Psychologist of the Year in 2017 and his name is Phil Johnson. He helps world-class athletes in all kinds of sports like from fancy race car driving and equestrian sports to something, you know, more plain and simple as sports involving a ball, for example. This is Athlete Story and I'm your host, Enya Bodhya. If you are a world-class athlete or simply into sports, I suggest you subscribe to my show right now because I will be posting a lot more athlete stories and chats with world-class sports experts and insiders like Phil Johnson. Welcome to the Athlete Story Podcast, your chance to tap into wisdom from athletes and experts in world-class sports. You are about to be taken into a chat about sports careers and related issues between an awesome guest and your listening host. The Sports Insider, repurposed Olympic mogul skier and former freeride world tour athlete, Anya Bobia. There is so much great information and insight in this interview, but don't worry about taking notes, okay? All you got to do is head on over to athletestory.com forward slash brainspawning, where you can download an overview of all the main takeaways from this session, part two of the Sports Psychology for Athletes series featuring Bill Johnson. Here he comes. Your brain remembers everything in your life, and so too does your body. So there's a brain-body memory. It's all subconsciously driven. And it's about this part of your brain. This is the subconscious. And this is the subcortical brain. The top of the brain is where we do our thinking. When we're thinking all the time and analyzing, like trying to get off to sleep, we're not feeling. The feeling is when we're in... When you're anxious and you feel it physically in your body, when your heart rate starts to increase, this is all subcortical brain. And so these traumatic events lie there. So what was discovered is that through a live MRI scan, when you think about being frightened, the amygdala in the back of your brain lights up. That's where fear lives. So you think about being, you're not frightened, you think about being frightened. It happens the same. Yeah. And so there's a point in your brain, a spot in your brain where that emotional memory is kept. And as you were talking about your injury, I was watching your eyes. And you actually, your eyes almost went into a circle of looking in different places. But ultimately, when you talked a little bit about the sadness of it, you started to look down. And that is actually what we call a gaze spot. It's, a, it's an eye position that's linking to that emotional feeling into that point in your brain. And if indeed you were to carry on looking whilst thinking about the, the emotional feelings related to that injury, they're physically held in your body in the sympathetic nervous system, which is responsible for generating energy. In the way that the parasympathetic nervous system 
relaxes it. If you'd have kept on looking whilst thinking, that memory would have released physically from your body into the parasympathetic nervous system. And then the two hemispheres of your brain, which are blocked from communicating, reconnect and create new neural pathways in your brain. Okay, so if I get this right, for me, trying not to get into that feeling, and I, I stop looking down because I don't want to go there, I keep that disconnection going. Yes. And if I go there and, and, and let that feeling come and let that tear come to my eye, it can reconnect? It, it can release and reconnect, yes, absolutely. Because in the trauma of that injury, there is an emotional and physiological disconnection. And it happens in your brain and it happens in your body. But we're unaware of it. Mm -hmm. But we can discover the ultimate issues, where they come from. And when they do, they can get fixed. And yes, simply by finding that spot in your brain through remembering and connecting with the physical and emotional feelings, we can find an eye position or eye positions that relate to that specific memory. And as you've already suggested, when you look there and it feels uncomfortable, your natural inclination is to look somewhere else, to look away where you feel calmer and more comfortable. But actually, it's looking where you feel uncomfortable is where the healing is. And by actually maintaining the eye position, you start to release the trauma from your sympathetic nervous system automatically into the parasympathetic. And then the two hemispheres of your brain automatically reconnect and reprocess that information and create new neural pathways. Your brain does all the work. There's no failure. It's not talking therapy. And you're in control. It's fantastic. It's called brain spotting. So there will be times where you can't go into that feeling because you have to perform and for the next minute or 90 minutes or whatever sport you're doing, you can't go around feeling it and, and because you have to focus on something else. So if something shows up before a game or, or a competition, do you go there? Do you go into that feeling or do you say, okay, not now. And then you go do your thing. Okay. So if you think of a tennis player, um, and if you look at Andy Murray and Jokovic, over the last 18 months, they've had a long layoffs with injury. And then they come into play, and then they're still not ready. Mm -hmm. And so they lose. But what they're trying to do is they've learned over the years to, to have that ultimate focus. And just to explain what, what happens, I use concentration as an overall description of what actually happens when we go to focus on something. And we have a camera over here. And if you like, uh, the camera is, is looking at a, a wide perspective, and that's how I see concentration. So imagine that you're, you're scanning your camera over an area, and then something catches your attention and then you look and then you zoom in 
And for me, symbolically, that's how the concentration is bringing our thoughts into one direction and that something catches our attention and then we zoom into it is the focus. But that is dynamic. And so a psychologist, we call this attentional focus. So it's not just in the moment. It's been consistently reproduced. We're focused. We're in the moment. And then something happens to distract us. A sound, a shout, a plastic bag blowing in the wind in the eyes of a horse. And that breaks that dynamic experience of attention and focus, attention and focus. So when a rugby player goes to do the kick over the post for a penalty and he's placed the ball, what I do with them is I, is I create an imaginary bubble that they can step into and cut out all the sound and all the other influences so that they can sustain that attentional focus. They have their pre-kick routine so that they're going to stand, step back, look at the ball, look at the posts, breathe. And the breathing calms them down. Then they're creating the image that they've already practiced. Then they're looking at the angle. Then they're noticing what's happening in terms of the wind. And then at that moment, they're ready to go. And then they follow through. And then they keep the direction. And the ball goes where they're looking, over the post. Perfect. But then, even though they might be in their bubble, they're close to the touchline. And one of the opposing fans shouts out, you're rubbish, you're rubbish, you're going to miss. And he hears it, and he allows it to interfere. And then his breathing changes. And then as he's looking at the post, <clears throat> he's doing it quickly. He's not doing it with calm. And then what? As he hits it, he curls the ball. And his leg is moving slightly over to the left. And he misses. It's fascinating. When you're a skier, imagine doing slalom where the moments that you have in between each gate are so fast that if you make one mistake accumulatively, by the, by the third turn, you're out. Or you lose an edge and you just, you're straight out. It's concentration. And so part of how the way you sustain that is with rhythm. It's the rhythm of the movement. It's like music. And it's with the breathing. But it also means that your attentional focus isn't just on the, the gate that you're coming into. It's what's going to go afterwards so that you've got a certain line that you're going to take and come out of and get ready. It's all about preparation and execution. And like with racing car driving for, for 50 minutes, an hour and 20 minutes, absolute focus. That's what you train yourself to do. But you need to be able to be calm. You need to be in the moment. You need to be in the zone. And being in the zone is defined as having that attentional focus, being in the moment, 
and by definition not distracted. And you can do that. You can guide yourself in there, right? You can. With the way you talk to yourself and the However, when you use brain spotting, not only can you use an eye position to release and desensitize a negative experience, you can use it to recreate a highly positive one. This is what I do with the racing drivers. So when, when they're about to start the race, they go into an eye position where they remember um, being successful in their start on the grid or that this is a, um, a circuit that they always do well in. And so whether you're a tennis player or a gymnast or a penis, it doesn't matter, is that you can remember an event where you did extremely well, where you were totally in the zone, where you really felt good. And even with your eyes closed, your brain will take your eyes to look where you were looking at the time. Mm -hmm. And now as I open my eyes, that's where I was looking. That's the eye position for that memory. And when I breathe, what I'm doing is I'm setting that position and then I'm remembering the feelings that go with it. And that all happens in a matter of seconds. So brain spotting is not just about, just about healing a trauma. You can also use it proactively to get in a state that you want to be in. Absolutely. Oh, that's useful. It's very useful. <laughs> and, and the thing is that that's what your brain's used to doing if we allow it. Have you ever had anyone say, oh, I'm a little worried about that because what if I look like a millimeter too far this way and is, and some, is something bad going to happen to me? <laughs> well, um, sometimes that, that, that can happen. Sometimes you can have the same eye position for a number of different memories. Mm -hmm. So... That's why uh, in the control of this, it's your thought about your experience. And it's also like anything else, you can train and practice to do this. For example, I worked with Jenny Jones, uh, who won bronze medal in snowboard slope style in Soshi. She became the first Briton ever to win an Olympic medal on snow. And when I met Jenny, it was her psychologist that introduced me to her, and it was Christmas time. And she, she'd been concussed so much from a fall in the previous uh, October in Austria, fell back, hit her head. She still had concussion. She was imbalanced. And so we used the brain spotting to remove the concussion. Mm -hmm. And that's one of the things that I do, which is really a development. I'm not the only brain spotter that does it. I have a colleague in, in Boulder, Colorado that does it, and I'm training one of my, my, my fellow trainers to also do it. Using the same technique, it, it's different in operation. You have to be incredibly patient because it can take up to two and a half hours to remove deep, deep concussion, and not only just in one session. But that's what I did with, with Jenny. And then we worked on, she had the, one of the longest injury histories of anyone I ever know. She's broken so many things. If you think about your skiing history mm. and then snowboarding and the number of times you've fallen and so on, banged your head, banged your back. Mm -hmm. But we finally got her ready to snowboard. And she did a, an internal competition. It was an international one outside of the Olympic and came fourth. 
and had she never been on the board for like five months. But when she went to Soshiti, I said to her, be more sustained and gradual in your development. And we even used imagery and brain spotting together to, to deal with the movements uh, mm -hmm. of each um, uh, part of her routine. And that's what gave her the capability to perform. She won bronze. And it was totally life-changing. So we can manage and control these things for ourselves. And there are techniques uh, outside of brain spotting that psychologists have been using for a very long time and that you too have learned for yourself. But brain spotting is, is pioneering. It's different. It works. Your brain does all the work. There is no failure. So just to, to recap, whenever a, a trauma in the broad sense of the word happens to you, it kind of leaves a stain in your brain. It, yeah. And every time you experience something similar or something that takes you there, this what happens to this? Some point gets activated up in the brain? You're absolutely right. So because the brain remembers everything, and so much of this activity is subconscious, then if you, if you have a memory that's similar to something that you're currently in the context of, your brain will remember it. Just like going to a restaurant. Your brain remembers all the restaurants you've ever been to. And if there's one where you had a terrible time or you got food poisoning, you'll be recalled, oh, I ate fish in that restaurant. And so you have an emotional response. So your brain triggers a previous memory mm -hmm. subconsciously. And that's what actually directs your behavior in that moment. It's not necessarily the very thing that's happening. And so when we go back and we desensitize that memory, there's nothing left to trigger. Yeah. In the same way that we can use a positive experience from your history to reinforce automatically when you look and remember what's happening in the moment. And the trigger can be anything from a physical pain in the knee or shoulder or to a reaction. Yeah, or something that somebody says to you. Oh, you won't win this race. <gasps> my coach used to say that to me when he got annoyed with me. Or um, one of my parents would say it in the belief that it would motivate me. And then, you know, you grab all your ski poles. And even though it's freezing cold, you, you, you're tacky. You're, you, your hands are hot. And, and there's something going on in the back of your neck. And you're going... Can I do this? Can I do this? And then you miss the first gate. Because you're going to freeze. This is all created by your brain. So when we change the way that your brain works, it doesn't happen. Mm -hmm. We can become re-traumatized. But in the work, what we do is remember only. We don't re-experience. Because when you re-experience, you can and do re-traumatize. Wow. So you're absolutely right. These are triggered responses. So when, you, when you've had two knee injuries and you go back to perform and you're thinking about your left knee, your brain is already thinking about your right knee injury mm -hmm. that happened five years earlier. And if you have doubts about that, they then add to 
what's happening in the moment. Trauma is accumulative. Concussions are accumulative. But this approach can deal with multiple levels of trauma. And when I do the assessment, I can see themes in people's lives that appear disconnected, but actually they're connected. I bet you can. Like we do, like we can physically. I bet you can see that emotionally yeah. when you're trained. Thank you so much. Bye. So thanks again to today's guest. And I gotta say, I'm already looking forward to presenting you to yet another episode of Athlete Store. If you have any fellow athletes or people who you think could benefit from listening to this, of course, I'd be very grateful if you'd share this podcast with them. Thank you. Don't forget to go grab your show notes over at athletestory.com forward slash brainspot. In the meantime, you take care, okay? Bye. Thank you for listening to Athlete Story. You are awesome. If you are yourself a world-class athlete or former, don't hesitate to come over on athletestory.com and check out more free stuff and resources to help you thrive in and benefit from your sports career. Dare to prepare. Then get yourself out there. Stay in touch.